Friday, you guys. It's Friday here at My Talk and in a lot of workplaces. Yes. Everybody's probably happy getting last minute things ready. How are we doing? Well, everyone at this uh, at my talk <laughs> station is happy because it's our last show of the year. Yes, that's right. We're we're having something happen that's never happened before. We're having we're going to make you listen to repeats. No, but they're they're curated replays yeah. and they're curated best ofs. And yep. Grant spent so much time finding like some of our funniest segments. Oh, yeah. some, some great well, all authors. The shows. I can't Everyone's imagine how it. much time the producers have right. spent working on this. Probably going back to October. Yeah, we got we got a lot of good stuff in there. I for think you. it'd be fun yeah. to you know just have some fun memories. I have to tell you, I went to the Mall of America last night. They're open till ten, you guys. Oh, yeah, Grant, it's, it's uh, holiday hours. My, oh, because you were yeah. you were talking about it. So um, o'clock. That's one a- of the cutest things. It, first of all, it's so delightful with the the beautiful lights. It's so pretty there. It's and it's festive and it's yeah. just cheerful. But if you are looking. For something to buy, someone who has really small feet, like a kid, the cutest things were these elf Crocs. Oh, no. With oh. a little elf belt. Oh, my God. And a little elf hat <laughs> and a little elf accessory. They're the cutest things I've ever seen. Can you see them, Grant? Oh, my gosh. They are elf At the Crocs. Croc- yeah, they're oh, like the, the Croc- elf the movie. They're, they're jet- elf the, the movie. movie. Green Crocs. and yellow. Yes. Oh, my gosh. We were just ooing and eyeing, wishing we had a grandchild, the person I was with, Lisa Lisa Hello. Yeah. Um, but oh, it, cool. aren't they the cutest thing? Yeah, they've got little charms, like a, like a Christmas tree yes. on there, a present. Yeah. And the belt. I just thought that was the cutest, That's cutest cool. thing. There's... And I saw Patrick at Mona Williams, our laundry evangelist, yes. and his book is coming out. And he was featured in the Star Tribune today. I don't know if you guys saw him. No, that's cool. I think it'll be in tomorrow's oh, issue of the paper. Right. I, okay. read, I read the digital, and he his store is cheerful and last minute ideas, good mm-hmm. old soap. People yeah. would love it. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it was really fun. It was happy and festive there. Good to hear, because I'm going tomorrow. Oh, I'm gonna, it's fun. I'm literally going to head out there about... T- I'm going to try to get there around 10 when they open. Yeah. Get some and, shopping done. And you could stay yeah. for 12 hours. I could. I, and I, I just might, because I need to get my mall hours in. There it's you been go. a long You could time. do a little Barbie cafe pop-up in between a roller skate. There you go. It was fun. Love All right, it. Lori, I know that you're uh, part of the family came home from Chicago. That's right. I got home from bowling last night where my white squirrel magic was in full effect, winning the poker hands. I had, <laughs> Grant, if you can believe it, three flushes. Oh, wow. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. You know, I, we do have joker cards, but to get three. Yeah. Hands of that and win. And I, early on and just telling everybody. Oh. Go ahead, try and beat me. <laughs> you know, because I knew I had the two jokers, so no one could get five of a kind. Right. And, and the you, chances of someone else having, well, they'd have to have a, you know, they oh. could have a royal flush, I guess. And the white squirrel that you're talking about is you came eye to eye. Yes, with the on white your squirrel sidewalk the with the white day. squirrel. And they bring good luck. Yes. And then I bowled relative, well, two out of three games. I usually am only bowling one out of three. So I'm improved by 50% by having okay. two. Good game. And I will just tell anyone this. If you're ever playing a game and Lori's there, <laughs> oh, I'll just go in, you know, borrow me a couple dollars. She'll win the jackpot. <laughs> oh, no, this is this luck. You don't need a squirrel, Lori. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you've always, since I've known you, had amazing luck. I I, I don't know. You really have. Yeah, knock on Starting wood. Starting with meeting me and my it. brother. I don't want to jinx it. Well, <laughs> I get home from bowling and I see... 
a little blur of um, lumberjack print, that red and black, running around. The, and I thought, oh, the kids are here, and they're still awake because it's like 10.30. But they just rolled in from Chicago. and Stretching the legs. Stretching the legs. And it was way past, you know, the two-and-a-half-year-old's bedtime. And he was all wound up and was not ready to say good night to go-go after uh-huh. I just walked in the door. <laughs> And then, uh, anyway, so, but a disaster has happened this morning. I hope by the time I get, I, I get home, it's fixed. Nikki comes downstairs and she goes, oh no, the snoo might be broken. And I'm like, okay, remind me again with what the snoo. What is the snoo? The snoo is, it's, it's a baby bassinet that's operated via Wi-Fi, yeah. remote control, rocks, the baby, it's apparently when baby sleeps, everyone sleeps. You oh, know, know that. This. You know that. Yes. It was invented. Anyway, she's hoping the snoo isn't broken because these snoos are, she had, she used it with the first one. But Dr. Harvey Karp, who wrote the book, Happiest Baby on the Block. Okay. He's a celebrated pediatrician. He invented the snoo, which is a safer and smart baby bed. Oh, yeah. For and the first just, six months, Julia, it's like an extra set of hands. That, to me, the, just even that <laughs> tagline for marketing for a new parents, <laughs> an extra set, set of hands. And without having to talk to anyone. One to two hours of sleep per night without with constant calming because it makes a womb. Mm-hmm. Whoosh, whoosh. It sounds oh. like you're in the amniotic fluid. Whoosh, whoosh. Oh. And it rocks. And then... If the baby wakes up, you can speed up the bassinet to do a little more vigorous shaking, and then they forget whatever they're crying about, and they just knock back out. That wow. is unbelievable. Amazing. A snoo. Yeah. A snoo. It's not a shoe. It's, it's not your a canoe. extra set of hands, and it sleep train. It sleep trains the baby. Mm-hmm. It's expensive uh, as heck, but it is uh, got FDA approval, and it's. They're very securely swaddled mm-hmm. in the snow. I wonder if Brittany had a snow. So snoo. there's, I wouldn't be surprised. She's a modern mom. She, well, she, she has the thermometer to give her child a bath. I'm yeah. sure if she goes to that length. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if she had a snow. And the <laughs> Brittany, baby is so listening. swaddled, there's no rolling over. There's no chance of SIDS yep. or oh, wow. anything like that. So It's an amazing that's so wild. We had a cube thing that we'd put the baby in like two triangles and you'd yeah. just shove them right in the middle like an envelope, like a taco. They yeah. could, they were the filling. Yeah. But never, we had those crank, you know, um, rocker things that they'd sit upright in. You crank it and oh. it would just go click, click, I, click, I click. Am, Yeah, I am amazed <laughs> at the modern parents and how smart they are. Like, I guess I didn't really realize that toddlers thrive on Order. Always, always. Kill children in general need order. order. <laughs> and they need they need predictable and calming bedtime. So the snoo apparently starts the whole bedtime so that Process. when they yeah, when they do get into a cri- and and I've always been amazed at what an incredible sleeper the uh, other the, one the is. two and a half year old. And so there's a Nikki two and a half like, and a two and a half month. Yeah, and she goes, Oh, it's the snoo. The, the I just, training. I've never heard of this oh, yeah. before. Yeah. My, my friends uh, recently had a baby this, okay. uh, in the last four months, five months, and I went over when they after they had, and they that was the they couldn't stop talking about it about they, the snoo. About it's the an snoo. extra pair of hands, and, and exactly. And we were hanging out, and they put the baby in there, and it, 
I and was then they amazed. see it on a monitor. Oh, they can see and mm-hmm. hear what's yep. going on with the baby. So if they need to yep. speed up the rocking, we that's just, just the, unbelievable. We brought the monitor out on the deck with us. Right? We sat on the deck. We each had a drink, and they'd sped it up at times. It's it's. I was blown away by the by the concept of it. Now I that saw. I think is a very good piece of modern technology. Yeah. yeah the and so, s- what do you think is working? The internet wasn't hooking up for Nikki last night, or what? She, no, that it worked last night, but she's worried it's not working today. Oh. And um, no, the snoo we hope is not broken. <laughs> this would be a disaster because the God one thing about a snoo bear baby is they're so used to rocking. Yeah. This is the only way they kind of can sleep. Now. Oh gosh! And to think we used to drive them around in our cars. We used <laughs> to tie them on, them on the top the dryer. of the dryer. On I did dryer. that once. I was so desperate. Like, yeah. come on! Yeah. Well, white noise is the number one key to it. Like a teething baby. I did learn that. I'm learning stuff about motherhood. Okay. I didn't know. So speaking about white noise, so we Jeff and I just love a fan. A fan noise so loud because, like, at the cabin, if there's other people, just you put a fan in there, and no, you can't hear anything. Mm-hmm. We do it at home. So I bought for our trip this teeny tiny, it's about the size of a yo-yo white sound machine with all these different sounds and all these different volumes. So you're just going to open the door and hear the the Pacific? We're not that close. Okay. Thing. We're those a couple blocks off. What you bought, though, is great. My dad uses one of those. He okay. puts it right by. He sleeps in the living room on his chair all the time, <laughs> and he just throws that thing on, and it just... Really? Mm, it was a center. good... I just... It was a last-minute yeah. idea because... Did you get the MOA? Um, no. Sure. All right. You can get them. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Yeah. You could get them at your drugstore. Yeah. You get right. We got ours at Target. They have yeah. them at Target. So. But really little, Lori, and they have 15 hours of battery life. Oh, that's nice. That's, that's what I bring it So you don't have to worry about uh, finding a family in the house the five bedroom five bathroom villa yeah right five people going Mm -hmm. five people and it's it's an interesting story how we got to be in this mansion and you know justin bieber stayed in the house at the very end on that strip of the beach where you guys are where the channel is where the marina that was the big buzz we were in town when he was there and we're like how the heck did he find porta aventura oh now you're giving away where i'm going okay sorry you (laughs) Well, it's a big area, <laughs> you know. I'm just teasing you, Lori. Yeah, it's I'm just so wonderful. You. But he stayed there, and it was the talk of PA. Well, wow. we'll see who's going to be there. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. All right, so we are going to come back, and it's a blast from the past, and it's a good one. We'll be right back. It's Lori and Julia, My Talk 107.1. Lori and Julia here with Ann Tressler from Tressler Law. So, Ann, with the holidays just around the corner, I'm curious as to how divorcing couples with children cope with creating new holiday schedules. Is this something you work with clients on, or do people come up with their own schedules? It's really both. It depends on how well the parents are working together as they're going through the divorce process. It's always best if they can do it and maybe kind of encompass family traditions and keep that consistency for the kids. They definitely need a holiday schedule. If they can't do it themselves, then, yes, we're definitely going to step in and, and help them get through that process. But it sounds like you really try to encourage people to put the kids first despite whatever is going on. Absolutely. As I just gave the example of maybe keeping the family traditions in place, that's an example of showing that your priority is the kids. It's not about I get every Christmas Eve or I get every Christmas Day. It's what do the kids know and how can we make sure the kids get the balance and service their emotional needs. To learn more about Tressler Law or to schedule your free one-hour divorce consultation, visit TresslerLaw.com or MyTalk1071.com, keyword divorce. Thank you, Ariana Grande. We love that song. And I just got a couple adult 
Um, our friend Mary wants to know if there's an adult snoo. A snoo, I know. Wouldn't that be nice? I really <laughs> am thinking about that. Because no, there isn't. But if there was an adult one, if the baby one is $1,100, the adult, adult one, one will be, be $20,000. $21,000. Yeah. $21,000. Yeah. Million dollar idea. And then mm-hmm. Brittany said um, that she go-go slept. She never needed a snoo. Oh, she, but, but she her, knew about it? Her friends have one, and then another friend rented a snoo. Ah. So that's another option. Yeah. Yeah. This new rental place. It's next to the shoe and canoe. Yeah, exactly. Remember that race, Lori? <laughs> and I think, you know, I think Casey's daughter knew that she was going to have, you know, well, I think the plan was, you know, several, but I think that's been dialed back now that the reality of two are here. Right. Because remember, one's an accessory, two is just a Two's, circus. I, Lori, I lived it. Yeah, you lived it. I lived that life. <laughs> so I three think, would be... Oh, my gosh. But anyway, that's where how, you know, the snoo, but so I really hope it's the router, not the snoo. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, now so, we all know what a snoo is. Yeah, if you snoo know comes it, up yeah, over the holidays, you know what, what people are... Your and, hip. And you know... Thank you, Lori. ...that the modern moms <laughs> yeah. and dads have some really amazing technology at their... They have an extra pair of hands. <laughs> it's a smart... That's, that's just the best tagline. It's a smart world now. It really yeah. is. Okay, so um, CBS Mornings is continuing to profile... You know, the people who were honored with the Kennedy Center honors and Barry Gibb um, was uh, sat down with Anthony Mason. And we like re fell in love with how important and impactful the Bee Gees were when we watched that documentary on HBO. So good. Like two years ago, maybe. It was amazing. All of us watched watched it. It was just so, so good. But kind of amazing. He hasn't been honored before. Well, you know, know, I mean, you can say that about any of these. There's a lot of people that are. So here, we'll start with the first uh, uh, clip. Um, He's the only remaining... He's the only... Brother left. Brother left of the Bee Gees. Mm -hmm. And Andy. Barry Gibb has one of the most enduring catalogs in the history of popular music. You're a Kennedy Center honoree. I don't know. I don't know. Why, Why are you giving it to me? He's written 16 number one songs. Many with his brothers Robin and Morris as the Bee Gees. Listen, we've written a lot of songs that were great and we've written a lot of crap. (laughs) And that's how it works. But what I discovered over the years is if you don't have failure, you can't have success. Yeah. Because every time you fail, you learn something. The Bee Gees broke through singing ballads in the late 60s, then reinvented themselves in the 70s, dominating the dance craze decade when their Saturday Night Fever soundtrack went stratospheric and one of the things that i and i think we learned it in the beetle the bg's documentary but the bg's and the beatles are the only two acts to have six number ones in a row wow isn't that boom, crazy boom, that... boom and that was would be for them on the saturday mm-hmm. night fever uh soundtrack and then uh here he is talking about um fame fame barry says pulled them apart the trouble with fame is it, it, it takes brothers. over everything and it makes you competitive. Yeah. And if you're in a group, you can't really compete against each other. No. You've got to unite against something. What was that competition about? Brothers. Harry wasn't on the best terms with his brothers when they died. Morris in 2003, Robin in 2012. You seem to have made peace with all that somehow. Yes. I understand now. I understand a lot more. I understand what made them unhappy. They were right. Why were they right? Because it was a group. Yeah. And we should have all been supporting each other much more than we did. I got too much attention. Robin didn't get enough. 
and Mo certainly didn't get enough. I never understood their feelings until a couple of years ago. Isn't it, you know, when I'm thinking... Because he did, he was he the hot was the one. Hot one. He was the hot one, but his younger, their younger brother, Andy, mm-hmm. had the standalone career and was hot, hot, hot. Yeah. And then of the three that were in the Bee Gees, he was really hot with that beautiful mane of hair, Barry Gibb. And he broke off, remember he did in 1980, the Guilty Album yeah. with Barbara Streisand. Well, yeah, I think that's in oh, this next okay. clip, maybe. For all their chart success, respect often eluded the Bee Gees. Do you feel like you've finally gotten it? I feel like it no longer matters. I feel like that, that, that in those moments it was painful. We were at the beginning of our 40s and couldn't get on the radio. So yes. they wrote hits for other artists. Dolly and Kenny, Barbara Streisand, Frankie Valli. That to me is, is kind of the outlier in your catalog. I always go, what? <laughs> I, me too. <laughs> it's the Oprah Winfrey thing. What? Producer Robert Stigwood asked him to write the title track for a film. And I said, well, how do you write a song called Grease, Robert? And he says, well, Grease, da-da-da-da-da, Grease, da-da-da-da-da. I thought, okay. Because <laughs> remember how crazy it, Grease is the word yeah, yeah, yeah. that you heard. It's the word. Yeah, it's the word. I always forget it's that got Barry moved, It's got meaning. Yeah. Deep, deep, Grease. I mean, yeah. that is funny. Yeah, and I forget that he wrote Guilty and Islands oh, in the Stream. And, Guilty you know, was a whole album. Yeah, it was the mm-hmm. whole album. Um, and then he, he, Anthony asked Barry about who his favorite because so many songs, who's covered their songs and everything. So here's what he says. Do you have a favorite cover of one of your songs? Yeah, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? Oh, I'll agree. I've never heard anything better. When someone else covers your song, it, it creates a sort of immortality to it. Do you think about legacy? Does it matter to you? No. I have no feelings about whether people remember me or the Bee Gees or not. Yeah. No feelings whatsoever. <laughs> when I'm gone... You guys can do what you like. That's a great way to end you that know, one. Isn't he, it? He's, he, what is he, 78 or 77? Yeah, and uh, last year he played at, uh, last year or the year before he headlined Glastonbury. And he sang all the BG songs and he just said that was a real highlight because he said, I didn't think anyone wanted to hear from me again oh. without my brothers. Oh. Yeah. That was sweet. Thanks for getting that. Yeah. yeah. That's right. pretty good. So that'll be on CBS a uh, week from yesterday, the 27th. Yeah. Okay, so it's a busy, busy travel season at MSP Airport. MSPAirport.com gives you all your information you need to know, where to shop, where to eat, how you pre-book your parking. The sooner you book it, if you're going to be using the parking facilities at the airport, the more you're going to save because they've introduced dynamic pricing throughout the end of the year. If you're traveling out of Terminal 2, the new MSP Reserve program where you can pre-book the time you go through TSA as a group. That is it's so phenomenal. Smart. Such and a smart idea. Shopping. Okay, you've got the print shop. You've got Hammermade, which is local, locally owned, and they make fabulous custom shirts for men. And I think they have a little father-son pairings too, if you want to get those. Hem, which is Yum, is a Scandinavian Scandinavian news store that has all these beautiful Scandinavian gifts. Um Ear, like deer, it's really a lot of Scandinavian places. Yeah, it is. And beautiful locally owned, stores. Yes, and locally owned accessories, great restaurants, MSPRport.com. It's time to talk fabulous movies with our fabulous friend and critic, Chris Hewitt from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Hello, Chris. Hello. Happy, happy almost. Is today your last day of work or are you working through the holidays? I'm not working through the holidays, but I am still working tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Best right. of. I bet you're doing a lot of writing for the year end. 
there's lots of year-end stuff, and, you know, because I'm taking a little time off, there's lots of doing stuff ahead. So, yeah, busy, yeah. busy. All right, well, this is one of our favorite times of the year for movies, movies. and um, we want to start with the movie. I, we read your review last week, but we want people to hear from your mouth, um, your review of Wonka. The shorthand version is love it. Love It'll, it. Uh, definitely be on my top 10 list, which will be in the paper uh, next Wednesday. And it is just delightful in a way that will be familiar to people who saw either of the Paddington movies, Mm. because it's made by the same guy who wrote and directed those movies. And it has that same sort of kind of nostalgic appeal, but also I think a contemporary, vaguely ironic sense of humor and sweetness, and it's just delightful. And I was a person who, when it was announced, thought, yeah, we've already had two Willy Wonkas. Do we really need any more? And it turns out we do. Oh, good. We can't wait to see it in the theater. It feels like a theater, you know, to go in and see the big, beautiful numbers and, you know, the sets, the costume. Yeah, it's kind of this almost, I wouldn't say fairy tale world, but it looked like the sets very much look like sets in a way that's kind of meant to remind you that it's a big old fashioned musical. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure you guys are going to like it a lot. Oh, okay. I'm sure we will. All right, tell us about this strange movie. It opens tomorrow. We've seen a lot of ads, a lot of press for Poor Things starring Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo. It is quite strange. <laughs> sort of a Frankenstein story, sort of a My Fair Lady story. Uh, Willem Dafoe plays this essentially mad scientist who, and we're not quite sure of the circumstances for a while, so I won't give them away, but who creates life, basically, in the form of Emma Stone, who at the beginning of the movie is in Emma Stone's body, which, by the way, is on view a lot in the movie. Um, But she has sort of the brain of a baby at the beginning, and then she gradually learns how civilization works over the course of the movie and begins to chart her own course. But it's an incredible performance by Emma Stone, because, you know, essentially she's playing, although she looks the same throughout the movie, she's playing someone from infancy to about 35 and she really goes for broke in the performance. Like, it's the kind of thing that you would maybe never have thought you would see from Emma Stone because she takes such big chances, but it's fascinating to watch. And and did you like this movie? What kind of rating did you give it? I did. Three out of four stars. It's it's definitely not for everybody because uh, it's hard, and especially with a family audience, it's hard to characterize how out there the movie is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's partly in black and white, and it makes a big shift to color in kind of the same way that Wizard of Oz does. And Mark Ruffalo plays potentially her suitor, and he almost feels like he's out of a silent movie where he's the villain who twiddles his mustache all the time. and. <laughs> It's an odd, odd movie. Okay. I think if people are willing to take a ride with it, uh, I think they'll enjoy it. Okay. All right. All right. The movie that, I mean, George Clooney was everywhere last week promoting uh, his movie, The Boys in the Boat, based on the best selling novel. Um, Have you had a chance to see that? That opens Christmas Day. It does. And in fact, I interviewed the guy who wrote the book, who also wrote oh. a fantastic book about the Hinckley fire. That'll be in the paper oh. on Sunday. Ooh. Oh, really? Okay. 
Yeah, his name is Daniel James Brown, and his it turns out his grandmother actually was in the Hinkley fire. But anyway, back to the boys in the boat. Okay. I think it's mostly for people who already have read the book and loved it and would like to see some of the stuff that they liked in the book created on the big screen because mm-hmm. it's it's a great looking movie. It's, it's kind of an old fashioned rah, rah spirit of America conquering the Nazis at the 1936 Olympics. It's about a kind of ragtag rowing team that tries to prepare for the 1936 Olympics in Berlin. Um, but the book was so fantastic. Unbelievable. It really was. And the movie, a lot of the stuff is left out, like, for instance, them working on the Grand Coulee Dam and stuff. There's just a lot of the, particularly the setbacks that they had to overcome, didn't make it into the movie because you can't put all of that in the movie. Mm -hmm. And I think it does lose something in not having that texture. So I would definitely recommend that people read the book first. And then if you like it see the movie because it does a nice job of particularly recreating those races. I think people who didn't read the book are going to be happy with just the movie and they're never going to read the book. You know, I'm just That's saying. That's what I fear. Huh? That's what I fear. Yeah. But they'd be missing out because that book is so good. Right. You, you're, you're, I remember, the, I feel like 2014 or something was out. Yeah. And I remember my mom going on and on and mm-hmm. on about it, but mm-hmm. I just read it in the last year. And yeah. that book, that book is so amazing. And that, right. guy, that guy is writing, has he written the book about the Hinkley fire? Cause I mean, that's like a, I remember when the fire happened in California, the campfire that happened and wherever that it was called the campfire. And, and they said, not since the Hinkley fire in like 1923. And I'm like, we were the site of the biggest fire with loss of life up until there's a know, big this, monument yeah but no i know I that know but I, no yeah. one knows i never have heard the story yeah and actually there's even a little museum in the former railroad station that's pretty fascinating to visit but yeah no he wrote the book it was his first book actually he wrote it i think about 20 years ago wow. it's called under a flaming sky and mm. it i honestly think it's even better than the boys in the boat it is just riveting because he has in parts of it, minute by minute accounts of what people were doing as they attempted to flee the fire and hop on a train and the train has to turn back and all this. It's just it's just such a gripping story and he does a beautiful job with it. And just a side note on Hinkley, so when you go if you're going north to Duluth instead of turning right to go to Toby's, you turn left. Left is where the museum yeah. is. Okay. All right, cool. Under That's the raving sky. Flaming. 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 Oh, wow. I, okay, You got to get that book. I love that you're doing both, Chris. We get the book review. We get the movie review. Yeah. Two for Tuesday. We like it. Okay, how about totally. the color The color purple, which opens on um, on Christmas Day? Your, your review, please. I would say the more I've sat with it, the more I've liked it. To me, the beginning of it feels a little bit shaky because um, people probably remember. It starts with the story of these two girls who are right at the beginning separated. And one of them is essentially forced into marriage with a much older man who is abusive. And the other, we sort of lose track of for years and years and years. And I don't think the movie quite gets, even though Halle Bailey is one of the sisters in the opening scenes. And of course she's terrific. The movie doesn't quite get on track until they're adults. And I think that's partly because it's a little bit, we don't quite understand why people are singing and there's sort of a weird problem with reality and surreality, 
But once we get to the adults and Celie is the main character and we start her story as she tries to meet up again with her sister and she falls, becomes friends with a, a blues singer who's played by Taraji P. Henson and she becomes friends with the woman who was originally played by Oprah Winfrey in the first movie, but uh, who's now played by Daniel Brooks. All of that stuff is terrific. So I would say, you know, Stick with it through the first 25 minutes or so, and it gets really good. Okay. All right, because I'm excited, excited to see that one. And, I mean, is Coleman Domingo in everything right now? No kidding. Yeah. He has been a busy, busy guy. Because he's in Rustin. Did you see that? Did you like that movie? I didn't think the movie was great. He's fantastic, though. He plays Bayard Rustin, who was the guy behind the March on Washington, um, but who was constantly kind of in danger of having his power taken away because he was also a gay man, and people were not okay with that in the in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's fantastic in it. The movie's a little bit wobbly, I think. Okay. Okay, how about um, Ferrari? I mean, Adam Driver has been everywhere. I saw Patrick a clip. Dempsey. Patrick Dempsey, Penelope Cruz. I saw... Uh, Watched a clip and I'm like, well, that's he's trying an Italian accent in this movie compared to Gucci <laughs> House of Gucci. <laughs> I think it's maybe a little bit sketch still. Yeah, but uh, he's terrific in the movie. And actually, even though you know he's the main character, Penelope Cruz is just unbelievable. I mean, it's probably one of the most compelling parts she's had, and she's had some pretty good ones. Yeah, um, but but. Uh, it's it's a beautifully made film. The the racing sequences are really exciting. It has kind of a I don't know. There's something kind of old timey about the way it uh, uses editing and production design, and um, I liked it a lot. It, it it seems like it's sort of flying under the radar so far, and partly that's because not many people have seen it yet. But I think it's a really good movie. Well, and you know, Michael Mann hasn't made a movie for a, a long time, but I always think of him as somewhat romantic in his approach to movies like the last of the Mohicans and heat and collateral. It's sort of, there's always some kind of a love story in there. Yeah. And you can tell, I mean, even the romance of the movies kind of, you can tell he's a guy who has watched John Ford movies Mm -hmm. and, and and wants to have the same kind of impact on, on audiences. And I think this movie does Uh, Ferrari particularly emerges as a really interesting character. And before I saw it, I was like, I don't know if I care about this, you know, race car millionaire, but turned out it did. Okay. Okay. And that's, is that another Christmas day one, Chris Mm -hmm. Ferrari? All right. Can you hang out with us if we take a quick break? I'd love to. Okay, we're talking movies, we're talking entertainment with Chris Hewitt from the Star Tribune. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Hey, gang, Lori and Julia here for Learning Rx, and this is a great testimonial, and it's from a mom whose child went through the Learning Rx program and, and said the best thing we ever decided to do for our son was to go to Learning Rx. We tried meds, tutors, extra school help, countless nights of struggling with homework and frustration, I was nervous at first about going to Learning Rx, thinking was it going to be worth it? And we found out it's worth every penny. Our son is thriving, does his homework on his own, and for the first time, he made the honor roll. We love Learning Rx. You will too. It makes such a difference to have that confidence about your learning, being able to read, not thinking that there's something wrong with you or you're just not trying or, you know, even, heaven forbid, thinking you're dumb. 
Right. And you it know? all, and really, it all starts with a one hour assessment. Call Learning RX today. This would be a great thing to do over the holidays. It takes a little over an hour of your time. And if you mention Lori and Julia, the assessment is 15% off. 50% off. Lori and Julia. Thanks for hanging out with us. We're with Chris Hewitt. We're talking holiday movies, what you should watch, what you shouldn't watch. And Chris, we've got a question from the audience. The audience. Um, what age for Wonka? Hmm. I mean, I mean, there's nothing in it that I would say is, you know, inappropriate. There's mild comic violence, I guess you could okay. say. So I don't know, maybe six or seven and up is, good. is about right. As long as kids have a pretty good attention span, okay. I think they'll be fine. And then also The Boy and the Heron. Is this a movie that you love and is this a movie that kids and adults will like? I think it is a movie that kids and adults will like. I. For some reason, so it's made by, you know, acknowledged master filmmaker Hayao Miyazaki, who made Spirit Away and Princess Mononoke. I, for some reason, always like his movies, but don't love them. And that's a little bit blasphemous for even for me to even admit. (laughs) So I enjoyed it. And I bet if people are already fans of his, they'll enjoy it even more than I did. Okay. Excellent. Okay, now back to the movie reviews. We um, let's talk right now about Maestro because you can watch it in the theater or you can watch it on Apple Plus right now. Thoughts? Actually, I think Netflix. Oh, okay. I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, It's terrific. It's. I think people might want to know before they go in that it's not at all a conventional biopic. It is about, you know, Leonard Bernstein, the composer and conductor who was a huge celebrity in the, in the middle of last century. In a way, we kind of can't imagine a conductor or composer being now, but Mm -hmm. it's his story and particularly his romance with an actor who's played by Carrie Mulligan in the movie. And both of the actors are spectacular. And what it really gets across more than, you know, telling us facts about Bernstein's life is how passionate he was about music. There's a whole scene as he's conducting a Mahler piece where the camera is just on Bradley Cooper, who's the director, producer, writer, star of the movie, just on his face. And so we're really seeing the music amplified through his gestures and expressions. And it's a pretty spectacular scene. Is he going to get nominated for an Oscar for this? I think he's going to win an Oscar. for You do? Okay. He's going to win it. And it is, you're right. It's on Netflix. I don't know how long it is, but, um, Lori, you're not. Lori's for some reason. Well, I'm going to see it now that I've heard you talk about it. I'm like, I've got to, I've got to see that. Just like, I feel like, I remember hearing about this movie you said to me when you sent me a note today about what movies we talk about. You said this will be a Best Picture nominee, nomination. I was like, Anatomy of Fall, Anatomy of a Fall. Well, that won the Palme d'Or because we did talk about it in May at Cannes. This was the big movie. Yeah, it, and it turned. I didn't see it until probably three weeks ago, but has been basically waiting since can in May to see it. And it totally lives up to the hype. It's a movie. Essentially there are three kind of four characters, I guess it takes place in a chalet near Grenoble, France. The movie is in French and German and also in English, probably half of it's in English. Um, And at the beginning, it's a a husband and wife and their probably eight-year-old kid son are staying there. And at the very beginning of the movie, the husband falls from a window and dies in the fall. 
And the police, for whatever reason, are immediately suspicious of his wife, who a lot of the movie is sort of a courtroom drama as the extremely strange, to my eyes anyway, French judicial system proceeds through the trial. And then the kid who is not a witness to the actual fall, but is to the relationship of his parents, ends up becoming the pivotal person as they try to figure out what happens. And the movie does leave us with some questions, but also it's just fascinating to see the psychology of the characters as they deal with this horrendous... I mean, they're grieving, and they're also suspects. Uh, It's a, it's a, a fantastic depiction of this really unusual situation. And is this, is it in movie theaters, Chris, Anatomy of a Fall, or? you It, it has been in movie okay. theaters, and it's now streaming on most places. Oh, okay. Okay. And the that lead sounds... actor, whose name is Sandra Huller, is for sure going to be nominated for Best Actress. She will. That sounds good. It does sound good. Mm-hmm. It does sound good. How about, uh, Chris, how did you fall in the uh, category of um, Leave the World Behind, the movie oh. with Julia Roberts and Mahershala Ali. Did you get a chance to watch it? I did. It's another one that I don't think is quite as good as the book because the book is able to leave us with ambiguities and questions better, I think, than the movie is. But I did enjoy it. I think uh, Mahershala Ali and Julia Roberts in particular are really terrific in it. And it's, you know, it's basically real people contemplating the end of the world, kind of, and it's very unsettling. Yeah, I, yeah. it was unsettling. I, I I liked it, and I thought about it for several days. It's definitely a thinker, yeah, because you do sort of start to wonder, okay, let's say I think maybe the world's ending in three days. Well, what do I do? Yeah, I don't what know. What do you do? I don't know. I'm, I I don't know. I mean, I'm with a zombie apocalypse partner, Casey. I think he'd be pretty good, but he's got a shoulder injury, so I hope that nothing <laughs> happens anytime soon. <laughs> They'll be worthless. <laughs> I just like to make sure there's a lot of cake in the house. There you go. I, I like that idea. How about Chris? What did you think of May December? Because you know, I, I thought that was so good, and I think Charles Melton is give him the supporting actor because he held that movie together. But you know, we have Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman. I mean, we have all these movies now that they don't even sometimes are in theaters in New York City for a day, and then they go streaming. Yeah, and that is one of those because that was, I think that one is, that one's Netflix too, isn't it? Yes. I think. Um, and that one is definitely going to be remembered when the awards come around. And in fact, I bet Charles Melton is going to have a pretty good chance of winning anyway. Mark Ruffalo might have a word to say about that. But mm-hmm. I liked it a lot because, you know, it's the story of Natalie Portman plays an actor who is making a movie about this. Uh, essentially Mary Jane Letourneau. Mary Kay Letourneau. Mary Kay. (laughs) Where she uh, fell in love or whatever phrasing you want to use with a kid who was in uh, junior high. And that's the situation that Natalie Portman is uh, uh, researching in the movie. Julianne Moore plays the woman who fell in love with the kid. And it's really interesting because the movie doesn't, on the surface, comment too much on the situation Mm -hmm. that's going on but there's like a shadow movie underneath the surface of it yeah so good is basically saying she's a sexual predator yes and whatever bad stuff happens to her she deserves even though seemingly she's this lovely woman who's in a happy marriage that's lasted 20 years and has raised children i mean that's what made it so creepy and i just put on my true crime story because it's a 
tabloid crime story that we knew about and it was so absolutely shocking you know yeah. when that happened and it's it was so shocking. shocking we read about it for days and days i didn't like the movie chris because i just don't like to be that uncomfortable <laughs> it definitely makes you uncomfortable mm-hmm. because you know she's talking about how in love they are and ah. what a great relationship they yeah. have and meanwhile we're like um, you groomed him, and he didn't know what he was doing. Right. And now, twenty years later, he wonders what he did. Right, and he sees it through the eyes of, the, of of his his kids going off to college. Very powerful. I think it might be one of Todd Haynes's best movies for me. I agree, and uh, I mean, maybe not quite up there with Carol for me, but real close. Okay, All right. I, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask you. Okay, so this we're not going to talk to you before the new year, Chris. Probably and not. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. But you if you if you were to pick the one picture that you think was the best picture of 2024. 2023, you mean. Oh, 2023. I'm already, I'm speeding ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what's your favorite? Can you tell us? Well, I mean, I guess it's a little spoiler alert for my story on Wednesday, but I can tell you that, that my number one movie of the year is John Wick Chapter 4. Oh, Grant is going crazy. (laughs) Grant's like, yes, that is unexpected from you, Chris Hewitt. I love Love that movie. Love it, love it, love it, love it. (laughs) Oh, my word. Anatomy of a Fall, I think, is my number two movie. Okay. Yeah, two very different movies. But yeah, John Wick Chapter 4 is just so much suspense and energy and wit and like pure movie making. I love it. That yeah. is unexpected. Well, and unexpected Good. too, I think, for the people, you know, like, because wasn't John Wick, wasn't the third one sort of not that great? I mean, there's limited words fourth, used in this one. Uh, yeah, at the fourth iteration, you know, you don't expect it to be fantastic. Yeah. I want to watch it now. I did watch did it. Did you? It was I've... good, yeah. I don't know if I've ever picked a sequel as my favorite movie of the year, and I right. certainly wouldn't expect it. I would, but I did. That's yeah. stair- oh the, the stairwell scene at the end. Oh, oh my god! Amazing, amazing. Soccer occur. Chris, what's your favorite Christmas movie that you watch every year, over and over? <laughs> I mean, it's a very basic choice, I guess. But my family on Christmas Eve has had a ritual for forty years where we watch "It's a Wonderful Life." Yeah. So I, I will be, I can tell you exactly what I'll be doing around 8 o'clock on Christmas Eve and that's watching that movie. Oh gosh, I love it. Merry I'll be Christmas. watching a Christmas story, probably. I'll be watching Elf. Elf, there you um, go. Or Get Love Actually. Listen, Chris, There's thank so you. Thank you for thank being you. on with us. Feel better. We look forward to chatting everything with you when we come back in the new year. Sounds great. Thank you. All right, we're going to be right back. We're taking a quick break.